other bitch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, college education, she graduated. All right, and welcome back to another episode of Fantasy Football with Gumbo. Uh, this is your boy, Ja. Hey, you know it's Dugo over here. What's going on with your head tops? Yeah, boy. Yeah, first of all, before we get moving any further, what the fuck with the Packers, dude? Why the hell didn't they trade for a wide receiver like Brandon Cooks or Elijah Moore? It's another year and it's the same shit. Every single year as a Packer fan, personally, I feel like we get excited around the trade deadline. We think something crazy is going to happen. We think we're going to get that last piece that we need to go and make a Super Bowl run. And we just end up disappointed. Yeah, man. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I thought this year was going to be a little different. You know, it's almost starting to feel like it's the goddamn NBA at the deadline now with so many trades that are happening. I've never seen this many, like, at the deadline before. Like, we saw at least seven trades today. Yeah, I think it was a total of 10 in total, which made it the most in a single day since, like, 2000 or, like, 1990 or something like that. So, I mean, like, to think that the Packers traded for a wide receiver wasn't one of those, I, my head's I, my head's pickled right now. Like, I am... What do you think, like, the philosophy is? Like, what do you think they're trying to do? Like, because obviously our receivers aren't getting it done. Obviously they aren't, you know, being productive. Our pass game is nowhere near where it used to be. What's the reasoning for not going out and getting a guy like Brandon Cooks or Elijah Moore who could work in the slot? I mean, man, the only way that I can justify it is that they want to trust their process, is, which is building through the draft, which makes sense. But, I mean, if you're trying to utilize Aaron Rodgers' best years that he has to give towards a football team, you're probably starting to squanish those and make them, you know, just diluted at this point. Like, it pisses me off because it's like, okay, yeah, we can say that we're building through the draft, but, I mean, man, we haven't seen a Super Bowl in 11 years now, 12 years, something like that. Right. So it's like, okay, you've been building through the draft for the last 10 to 12 years, damn near an entire generation of a team, and we just constantly end up disappointed. Like, at what point do you realize, yo, that's probably not going to work, bro? Like, try something new. I mean, dude, you got to think about the extent that these GMs and head coaches have their personas, how much like they have, they rely on their philosophy. I mean, if you look at someone who sticks their philosophy more than anyone, it's Bill Belichick. Yeah. And I think every GM wants to try to, you know, show that, you know, like, no, they're building in the right direction. They know what they're doing. And so I feel like, I think... Brian Gutenkunst right now that I think that right now he's trying to save his pride and say no I didn't flop on Christian Watson I didn't flop on siding Sammy Watkins I think there's a lot of pride involved and I think that he's just not one to swallow his pride and you know actually get something that can actually be useful for the team and I am calling for his uh, resignation to be fired right now whoa calm down Jamal don't pull out the nine so every Tuesday there's a guy named Pat McAfee who does an interview with another guy named Aaron Rodgers. Uh, today, during the interview, because obviously we record this on Tuesday nights, you know, Aaron Rodgers said that, hey, Christian Watson was supposed to be a big part of our game plan last Sunday night against the Bills. He got hurt, you know, with that concussion really early in the game, and we kind of never recovered. Christian Watson's a guy for the Packers that if he's available on your waivers, I would probably go out and stash him as like a deep bench, end of the lineup type of guy. There's some upside if somewhere down the road he starts to see that uh, target share that you would expect from a stereotypical wide receiver one, wide receiver two prospect. 
uh, or a player. But uh, he's a guy I like off of the waivers if he's still available in your leagues. And, you know, he's someone that I think has a pretty bright future. What was that name again? Christian Watson. You like Christian Watson? I I agree with that, man. His, he just can't catch a break when it comes to health right he now. He just has to stay healthy. But, I mean, if you are looking for a deep, deep flyer out there, I mean, Samar Torre, he actually showed me uh, some good flashes out there. I mean, the ability to read Rodgers' eyes mm-hmm. and actually make that touchdown catch was great. I mean... I think he had a drop earlier, but he came and redeemed himself and at least got a touchdown to make it. You know, he at least covered for the people who covered. So, you know, hey, you got to give him some props on that. You know, we'll save the Packers for Sunday, but we want to actually talk to you guys today about some of the trades that did happen and some of the players that were impacted from those trades. Uh, So if you guys follow us on YouTube, you know that we dropped our videos on TJ Hawkinson and Chase Claypool. So, you know, we discussed what the outlook would be for the rest of 2022. And let's start off in the division. Uh, coming off the Packers, let's talk about the Vikings and TJ Hawkinson, their newest tight end. Yeah, man, I'm honestly super excited for this. I I mean, if you guys have been listening on, I have TJ Hawkinson in our Dynasty League. And uh, I'm super excited about it, man. I mean, I think that he's going to be seeing some more quality receptions. Mm-hmm. I think that defenses obviously can't key on him because you have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen on the outside to really, you know, I mean, it's a compliment to TJ. I mean, TJ is a first-round pick, so, I mean, the fact that you have all those weapons and Delvin Cook and Alexander Madison, I mean, it's it's going to be like candy for Kirk Cousins, so if you have him, I mean, you could probably see a little bit more production because, I mean, the amount of times that I've seen Irv Smith Jr. drop a really good pass for a <laughs> touchdown – I can probably, you know, off the top of my head, I can count it like four or five times that that's happened. I used to be a big Irv Smith fan. Dude, I just, I can't buy it, dude. I mean, it's one of those things where he's from Alabama. You think that they're going to do really good. And then they get to the NFL and they just don't really flourish because I think, you know, they just don't have Hunter or uh, Henry Ruggs or Jerry Judy or, you know, everyone else on the outside to really, I mean, obviously he should be a good compliment to those two with Adam Thielen and Jefferson, but... He just isn't for some reason. I think it's because of his blocking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, TJ Hawkinson. He, so, I think people have, like, this mistaken identity for who the Vikings are compared to the Lions. I feel like when you think about the Lions, you think about Amon Ra, you think about TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift. And you kind of have this assumption that they just air it out all the time. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you watch the first couple of weeks of the season, it seems like when they're down bad, that's what they had to do. If you look at the Vikings offense, they actually have more pass attempts and more passing completion since the start of the year, and both teams have respectively had their bye. TJ Hawkinson is going to be stepping into a slightly larger passing volume. Kirk Cousins is probably, you know, a little bit better than Jared Goff is, and Kevin O'Connell, the new head coach in Minnesota, is probably a large upgrade as far as, like, a play calling perspective. Yeah, scheming, everything like that, yeah. I think TJ Hawkinson, who's currently tied in four, I think he steps right into Irv Smith's role and then some. I think TJ Hawkinson as a tight end four, assuming it doesn't take too long for him to get integrated, I think he finishes at a floor of maybe tight end five. But I think that he has the upside to maybe go ahead and uh, jump over some of those guys who might only be one or two slots ahead of him. Yeah, I, I definitely don't see him being downgraded in this role with the Vikings at all. I think that it's a good it's a good trade. I mm-hmm. mean, it's you know it kind of sucks if you're a Hawkinson fan because 
you know, like now you gotta cheer for the Vikings a little bit to get <laughs> to get a touchdown. But yeah. hey, nonetheless. You know, and with guys like Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey, it's Zach hard Ertz. to Sackerts somewhat, but you know what I mean? Mainly Andrews and Kelsey, I mean they're elite. We know what they do. Uh so really you could just hope for like a tight end three finish. But I think that's possible. Slight upgrade for TJ Hawkinson in my book. And uh, I think that's actually a pretty nice upgrade for Kirk Cousins if you have him. No doubt, man. Uh, so one of the trades that kind of surprised me was Chase Edmonds going to the Broncos. I, I didn't really see Chase Edmonds really leaving <sighs> the Dolphins today at all. To think about the trade, I think it could be a decent trade down the road because he did, he did just sign a contract this offseason. So, obviously, he has the ability to kind of step into a role that's missing with Javante Williams. What the fuck are they doing in Denver? I, I'm not sure at all, man. Like, it seems like they're damn near just trying to play football with a chicken that has his head cut off. Like, it just doesn't seem like it makes sense. They have how many running backs on their roster? They have, I, I don't know, man. It's just kind of... It's weird, and it just doesn't sound like it's sound football. It seems like they don't have their identity, and they're trying to pull every string in the hat to try to find it. That trade doesn't make any sense to me, mainly because obviously I know you have to talk about paying Bradley Chubb at some point because he's going to demand a big payday uh, because of the player that he is and, you know, he costs. But, bro, you trade away one of your best defensive players and a win-now team that just brought in Russell Wilson for over $200 million. You have three running backs in Mike Boone, Latavius Murray, and Melvin Gordon, who none of them are superstars, but they're serviceable. And you trade away your superstar linebacker for Chase Edmonds on a couple draft picks when you are in win-now mode. I mean, you can't really call it win-now, especially when it's the first year in this offense. You've seen what they've done so far, and so if they're trying to recuperate some of the draft capital that they had to give up for Wilson and to bring in, you know, let's say an actual deep, like, good offensive lineman to block for Wilson so he's not being put on his back every other play, Mm -hmm. I think that that could be reasonable going into the draft because, I mean, they didn't have a first or a second or a third round pick going into the draft. Now they did recuperate some of that, so... Yeah, it might suck to have Bradley Chubb gone right now, but I think that this offseason they could obviously you know spend some more money bringing in a new vet who's going to be off of a deal. They could try to do all these different things. And to bring in a new lineman for Russell Wilson because you know he, he just brought him on a new contract, I think long-term-wise that would service them more than you know Bradley Chubb. Recap of the trade, the Dolphins gave up the 49ers' first-round pick this year, giving up the Broncos' 2024 fourth-round pick, and running back Chase Edmonds. And the Broncos are giving them Bradley Chubb, and the Broncos are also giving them a fifth-round pick in 2025. I don't know how they worked that in there, but good for them. Weird-ass trade. We'll see how it helps out. I think Miami really dubbed them on that one. Uh, But regardless, Chase Edmonds is Chase Edmonds. He's going to be somewhat of a spellback. You really fighting to see who gets the uh, downhill goal line role between Melvin Gordon and Latavius Murray at this point. Right. I think right now you'd have to assume it'd be Murray. I mean, from what you've seen, now it seems like obviously, it's at least to me, it seemed like Melvin Gordon wanted out. It doesn't seem like that's going to be probably happening anymore unless they surprisingly release him. He is on a one-year deal. They've already paid him. Maybe it could make sense. 
But honestly, I think that Latavius Murray is probably going to be getting those goal line carries and, you know, Melvin Gordon and Chase Edmonds, they might be splitting that uh, pass catching back role. Uh, the Steelers traded wide receiver Chase Claypool to the Chicago Bears. And uh, Chase Claypool is probably going to slot in and he's going to be their slot receiver from here on out. Uh, somehow the Steelers got a second for him. Uh, so congrats on recuperating what you got or what you had to give up for him. Overall, man, this trade gives me absolutely no, like, oh, wow, like, I'm really excited about this. I think, if anything, Justin Fields might be getting a little bit of a bump, but I don't necessarily think that Chase Claypool sees much more value this season. I mean, it just... It seems like he is what he is at this point, and you're still going from a not-great quarterback to a not-great quarterback. Yeah, man, when I look at this trade, I think that it does uh, result in a slight upgrade for Chase Claypool. Yeah, man, when I look at this trade, I think that it does uh, result in a slight upgrade for Chase Claypool. I think that Chase Claypool, who's currently wide receiver 38, is you know kind of like a wide receiver for flex play on a week-to-week basis. I think that he's going to go to Chicago, and he's going to step into a larger target share. Hey, if you guys are enjoying the episode, do us a favor and go ahead and give us a follow on whatever audio platform you're currently streaming on. It goes a long way towards supporting the show, and it lets us know that you guys enjoy the content. Uh, Back to the episode. We know the Bears don't throw the ball a ton. We know that we're so wondering and trying to figure out what Justin Fields can do as a passer. Uh, But I don't think that Chase Claypool's upgrade doesn't solely come from just receptions. I think that Chase Claypool fits this offense to the extent that, you know, the scheme in Chicago runs uh, something similar to like what Mike or what Kyle Shanahan runs in San Francisco. So, you know, you see some bootleg, you see some play action. There's a lot of pre-snap motions. I think Chase Claypool can step in, you know, uh, and kind of fulfill somewhat of like a Debo Samuel role. I think that Chase Claypool can be a guy who goes ahead and, uh, you know, earns himself targets, sees a couple more catches than what he's averaging now in Pittsburgh, but also sees an uptick in uh, opportunities on the ground. I think that with this running game between David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert is a pretty clear committee. I think with the scheme that relies heavily on, you know, pre-snap motions, Chase Claypool is that guy who's going to come out of the slot and he's going to be dangerous. He's going to be versatile. If he's wide receiver 38, I think that he can finish closer to... Uh, you know, maybe like that wide receiver three bucket. I mean, that all makes sense in my eyes. I just have a hard, I I just have a bad feeling about the Bears this season. I mean, they just gave up Roquan Smith and I mean the other guy as well. I his name is slipping my mind, but nonetheless, like I just feel like that defense is going to be so exposed. And yeah, we're talking about our offense is probably going to be having to throw more because of that. Yep. But I just don't know exactly if you know, like. If you're watching the Pat McAfee show today, Tone Diggs definitely explained it well when he said he can jump up super high, but he's going to end up catching at his knees regardless. So, like, it's just one of those things to where I don't know if he's necessarily like, the greatest like or the most talented wide receiver out there. Mm-hmm. Maybe he can try to make his note with some jet sweeps, but I just, at the end of the day, I don't know, man. Like, it just doesn't seem like he is a, you know, a, a true, like, number one or number two. What do you think happens to Naheem Hines now that he's in Buffalo? Yo, I'm super excited about Naheem Hines. If you really want to know my opinion, you should go check out that 75 seconds that we're going to be dropping on YouTube. Uh, But overall, man, I think that this is going to be a great trade for the Bills. 
I don't think that they they gave up much at all to get a stud like Naheem Hines. Mm-hmm. I think that this trade honestly could help fulfill their needs going forward. They do have two extra years they could utilize him if they want to. Hmm. Otherwise, they do have James Cook, who could obviously step in next year and be that receiving back. Mm-hmm. But, yo, like, if you want to talk about back who's been utilized the most with receiving work out of the backfield, it is Naheem Hines. He's going to be productive for you. And in an offense like that, that is just full of passing the ball, checking it down if he's – or when Josh Allen's about to take a sack, like, yo, like, what, what better than a really good running back who can go out and get it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, Naheem Hines is one of those guys who's super versatile, and he's going to step into this offense, and we know that he's going to catch passes. He's going to make explosive plays. And truth be told, I think Naheem Hines is probably the best running back in this backfield. I mean, you have some competition with Devin Singletary just because I think he is a more true runner. Mm-hmm. I think with Naheem Hines' stature, I, I don't tr- don't quote me on Devin Singletary, but I just think he's a little bit more built for contact. Mm-hmm. Uh, Naheem Hines, I think, is definitely the better pass catcher, though. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, when I look at Naheem Hines and when I look at what he's done throughout his career, I mean, my man's been pretty productive on the ground as a rusher. He averages close to about four yards per carry through the first four years of his career. Uh, and then as a receiver, obviously, you know what he does. Right. Him and Devin Singletary are really neck and neck, but I think that the person this trade hurts the most is James Cook. Right, exactly. I just think it's more of a long-term thing if they do choose to keep him because... I mean that's what they that's what they drafted James Cook for was to be more of a receiving back, and yeah we did see some slot work from James Cook this past week so maybe he could be doing that a little bit more, but nonetheless I mean like when you think about the true asset James Cook is you want to see him using like be utilized in the backfield and that just might not happen this year anymore. What do you think James Cook finishes as this year in terms of running back rankings? Uh, I'd probably say, what? could you tell me what he's ranked about right now? Just uh, so I have an idea. So I guess right now he's ranked as running back 63 in PPR and running back 64 in Standard League. So, so he's, I was, I was going to say like he was going to uh, finish around 60, but if he's already there, I'd probably say closer to like running back 80 at this point. Yeah, like he had a big game, obviously, you know, the game in week eight against the Green Bay Packers. Right. Uh, broke off a couple of big runs, which was nice. But moving forward, I mean, not only is he going to see less opportunity, but he has a guy now in the backfield who pretty much mirrors his skill set. Yeah, that's kind of the way that I'm seeing it right now. So, I mean, if you're obviously a dynasty league holder and you have James Cook, hold him because, I mean, you never know what the league is going to bring next year with Devin Singletary probably being gone. Uh-huh. But if you have him in redraft right now, I think he might just be wasted roster room for you. I'm not sure exactly his hold rate, but if you have him, I don't know what you're holding him for at this point. He's an end-of-the-bench stash for me only because he's on Buffalo. That's fair, and I can respect that. Only because it's part of that offense. So next topic I want to talk to you about today, Dugo, is I want to talk about a guy who just kind of went crazy last week, uh, Devontae Foreman. Dude, is this guy for real? I mean, you you touched on it. This guy just dropped a 33-burger on these motherfuckers. Surprise, motherfucker. And the week before, with Chuba Hubbard in the lineup, he also dropped 17 points. So I, my question to you, again, is Foreman for real? That's a hard one, man, because we didn't see Chuba Hubbard out there last week. When Chuba Hubbard did play, he was the starter. But goddamn, he looked good, man. 
He looked good. Yeah, man. I mean, if you want to foreshadow back to last year when he was on the Titans, he definitely filled in well for D. Henny when he was gone as well, when he was gone for that stint. So, I mean, to me, man, like, Devontae Foreman has all the possibility to be the starting back and for Chuba to be, you know, that compliment to him. I mean, if you looked at what he was able to do this week, that's what I'm seeing. If I own a Carolina Panther running back, I am selling that running back right now more than ever. If I own Deontay Foreman in fantasy football, I'm trying to move off of Deontay Foreman after that big game. If I own Chuba Hubbard in fantasy football, I'm trying to move Chuba Hubbard while he still has potential before Deontay Foreman potentially claims his backfield. This is the ultimate opportunity to sell. This is probably the one of the biggest sell positions I could see in fantasy football as of today. I think right now you can go out there and you can get yourself a wide receiver three, maybe a wide receiver two for either of these guys. And I think that that's going to serve you more consistently down the stretch where you need to be consistent. Okay. Yo, that makes sense and everything, man. I just think right now the reason why Devontae Foreman wasn't consistent in the past this year was because he was the number three back. Mm-hmm. I think that now he's actually had his area and the time to shine with McCaffrey leaving, obviously. And now with, obviously, uh, Chuba being gone last week, he actually had his time to shine. Like I said before, I think with his time with the Titans, he was also given that opportunity. And I think if – I forgot the coach for the Panthers' name right now. I think it's Wilkes. Mm-hmm. If you're going to try to make his presence felt there, you got to make the person who just made you – you know, like, close enough to win that game, the starter. He has to be out there. He has to be your every down back, yeah. damn near. I think that Devontae Foreman, if you're asking me, I think he is for real going forward, at least until the end of this year. Mm-hmm. I like what D. Foreman did last week, big week. Once again, just to recap his numbers, uh, my man had 118 rushing yards with three rushing touchdowns on 26 attempts, averaged around, you know, four and a half uh, yards per carry. He only had one reception, so that goes to show further that, uh, you know, I don't know what his receiving upside looks like. Right. Uh, but what I do want to talk about after Deontay Foreman, actually, is uh, some of these buys that we have this week. Uh, we're talking about the Denver Broncos, the San Francisco 49ers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, New York Giants, and Cleveland Browns and, you know, Cowboys, obviously. So that's six teams. When I look through all six of those teams, I see a lot of receivers that are going to be out of action this week. So you're talking about the likes of CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Cortland Sutton, Debo Samuel, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Brandon Ayuk, Jerry Judy. list goes on. It's going to be time to hit waivers for a lot of y'all. Looking at waivers this week, me and Dugo want to kind of go over a few guys that we think could, uh, could step up, could potentially, you know, help you in a week where you might need it. And uh, we want to give you guys some flyers that, uh, you know, could be productive. Yeah, man. So if you're looking for a wide receiver out there, I mean, we've talked about this guy in the past. I've really shaded him a lot. But I think Miko Harbin has every opportunity to step up. Look at this guy. Fucking Miko believer now, bro. Hey, I do, man. Especially when he was playing that flex position. I know that they do have Kadarius Tony coming into the Chiefs. And so... Maybe he might steal that from me right away, but I think that Meikle has at least one more good week being utilized in that position. And so give me Meikle this week to, you know, play in a flex position if you're looking for someone to step in for, 
let's say like a CD Lamb or whoever else he might need to step in for a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Who do you got going on, bro? I got Josh Palmer. Okay. Uh, Josh Palmer was my pick of the week. Obviously, you know, Mike Williams is out, and Josh Palmer is going to be playing side-by-side next to Keenan Allen, who's returning. Right. Listen, here's my dynamic of this Josh Palmer situation. When you have a guy like Mike Williams who is playing opposite of you, Williams is a big, deep-stretch, tall guy, jump ball kind of guy. Right. That's the offense you got to play, and you have to complement that. I think Josh Palmer is closer to Mike Williams than he is Keenan Allen. I see Keenan Allen being a guy who can work underneath and in the intermediate portions of the field. And Josh Palmer can be that field stretcher guy who uh, catches a couple of deep balls. No doubt. And, I mean, before you guys forget, I mean, the Chargers just did have their bye. And so, yes, you know, Keenan Allen did have an extra week to rest. But is he going to be fully healthy with that hamstring injury? So, you know, Josh Palmer could have a really good uh, week. I mean, I, I could really see it. He had six targets, five catches, and a tud. Uh, in week 16 of last year when Mike Williams uh, missed a game and he hey, played alongside Keenan. That sounds good to me, man. There is a running back out there, though. He's probably going to be towards the top of your waiver wire boards if you're uh, looking at those. Ronnie Rivers. He's a running back for the Rams. <laughs> one thing that I do love. So random. Yo, one thing I do love, though, is, you know, people who get their snaps and and he was barely out-snapped by uh, Daryl Henderson. I think it was like 24 to 21. Yo, give me those odds every time to get a touchdown against oh. the Bucks team, who has honestly been kind of shaky lately. Yep. I think that, you know, Rivers, as much as he might be an unhold, you know, not a household name at all, you know, I have... I have faith that this guy might be able to actually come out and get a toddy this next game. I mean, he put up, like, six points in the game before. Hey, I have some faith in this motherfucker. Who do you got for me, Joe? Uh, Deion Jackson, obviously, with hey. the trade of, uh, oh, yeah. you know, Naheem Hines going to Buffalo. He's going to step up. I think Zach Moss is probably going to step in, and he's going to be uh, – I don't want to call it a key contributor because I think that this is Jonathan Taylor's – this is his time to kind of just go crazy, uh, mm-hmm. just take over. But Deion Jackson someone that I think has a little bit of a PPR upside, you know, could catch some receptions. What worries me a little bit about him is Philip Lindsay, who is also on that team, who's also kind of like a pass-catching specialist. I don't know how that's going to break down necessarily, uh, but for this week, you know, coming so fresh off of those trades, I think Deion Jackson being comparably, you know, the veteran in that offense He'll get his time to shine. He'll get his opportunities. Might get a couple catches in there. Yeah, man. I'm kind of in the same boat with you when it comes to Jacks on that. I think, hey, if you have the diamond hands to hold him through, you know, Naeem Hines coming back, JT coming back. Yo, he has some games out there where he was actually able to show off his skills. And I am excited to see what he's able to do as a complimentary back. I think it's about time that we get to our starts of the week. I want to foreshadow back to what we had last week for you guys. Oh, yo, so, we had a great week. Great week last week if you guys didn't listen. Yo. Uh, tell, tell them about it, Dugo. Yeah, dude. So, obviously, you know me. I had Derrick Henry going out, and I thought he was going to drop a 50 bomb. Unfortunately, in PP or in half PPR leagues, he only dropped 38 points. So, mm-hmm. a little short on that, but nonetheless, D. Henry balled out. Huh? I also had Tyler Boyd. I thought with, uh, you know, Jamar Chase out, I thought he was going to have a record day. Not necessarily a record day, but he did manage a touchdown, and that's what we're in the game for, folks. Because, hey, that gets us points, and Tuddies. points get us wins. Tuddies get us wins. Yeah. 
Who'd you have out there, bro? Uh, you know, obviously last week I had DJ Moore. Yep. He had a crazy game. He had over like 130 something yards. Uh, really big game last week, and that you know once again nail biter in Atlanta. This week I'm gonna go with the running back. Okay. And the running back I'm gonna go with is Miles Sanders, running back for the Eagles. Uh, he's my start of the week because they play the Houston Texans on Thursday night football. So if you're listening to this, he plays tonight. If you're playing DFS, if you have him in your lineups, I'm going to say go out and grab him. The Texans don't have the offense to keep up with the Eagles at all. The Eagles actually have a pretty good defense as well. Uh, I think that very small chances is an upset, but I think the Eagles should route this team and should have a comfortable lead by you know the fourth quarter. And uh, I think that Miles Sanders can be a guy who gets a lot of opportunity on the ground. You know, they're coming off a short week. Yeah. Last week, Jalen Hurst and A.J. Brown had their big weeks. A.J. Brown had three touchdowns just, you know, five days ago. Right. I think these guys, they want to give their other guys some time to shine, go comfortably get this lead, and go on a 10-week vacation. Right. 10-day vacation. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm going to go ahead and assume that Miles Sanders is going to get some work this week. And uh, I think that my man is good for 100 all-purpose yards, gets his tutty, if not more, a couple catches in there. So Hey, just a little side question for you on that then. So if you have, let's say, like a kind of game wall or something like that, do you think that that would be worth a start in a flex position if you think they're going to be running the ball heavy towards the end of the game? Uh, Not really. No? Okay. He's more of like, I guess, a PPR option. He's just kind of a distant thought for me. Okay. I think Miles Sanders is the guy. He's going to continue to get his work that he's been seeing all year. They get up on Houston. He's going to get his opportunity to shine. I think he's a great value. No doubt, man. So I think this week I have uh, I have Michael Carter from the Jets, actually. Mm-hmm. So they're going up against the Bills, which, I mean, they're obviously one of the more elite teams in the league right now, and so I might be eating these words. Oh, eating, okay. Yo, but... I think what the Packers were able to do against the Bills, and by that I think exposing against the run was okay. a huge thing. Okay. And so I think with the opportunity that the Jets have to go out and shock the nation and have the cornerbacks that they do have to possibly shut down the uh, you know wide receivers the Bills have so they can't get those bomb tutties. Time of possession game. Yeah, you know, I think that the Jets are able to actually, you know, beat them in time of possession, kind of like what the Packers were able to do, but play a little bit more stout defense, go out there, and get a shocker win. And I think that if they do it, they have to do it on the ground, and it's going to be with Michael Carter, and then they're probably going to get a little bit of use from their backup, which slips my name. Can you James read? Robinson? James Robinson. So he's an interesting guy, too, because obviously he was just traded – um, you know, he only had five carries in his first game, 17 yards with the Jets. Yep. This ranks as a pretty tough matchup because we know the Bills are, you know, pretty good against run defenses or run offenses. Yeah, man, I think Michael Carter's not bad because he's versatile. He can catch and pass. He can do both. If they get down, he's involved, and if they're up, he's involved. Right. I like it. I like it. Alright, so gang, once again, just a quick reminder, uh, we have the Cleveland Browns, Dallas Cowboys, Denver, Broncos, Giants, the Niners, and the Steelers all on by. Uh, our streams of the week are Josh Palmer, Deion Jackson, Ronnie Rivers, and Miko Hardman. Um, so make sure you guys are uh, surfing the waivers 
feel free to tap in with us every single week. Guys, you already know this, but we drop every Thursday. Tell your friends about us. Uh, my name is Ja. Hey, I'm Dugo. Good luck tonight with the Eagles versus the Texans. I got Eagles by like 30. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.